Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Money Mitch Effect. My name is Mitch Michaels, and thank you, as always, for listening to and supporting the sports podcast, where we have quite a bit of football to talk about this week. Got two guests on the show. First up, Adam Musto to talk all the storylines in the NFL from all the craziness that's happened in the regular season, where we're already past midpoint, the Chiefs winning in Germany over the Dolphins, the Eagles outlasting the Cowboys in a great game, the Bengals rising back up, the Ravens winning over the Seahawks. A lot to discuss in NFL land with Adam Musto. And then Rob Crowder joins the show, the biggest Oklahoma State fan that I know, maybe biggest there is, had to celebrate his Bedlam victory over the Oklahoma Sooners, discuss how the Pokes have rebounded and uh, now control their own destiny to get to the Big 12 title game. We talk Bama beating LSU, Washington over USC, and we look ahead to this week's games in college football and uh, give our take on the Michigan scandal. That's all in store on the Money Mitch Effect, and it starts right now. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, back again to talk NFL football. We're joined by Adam Musto calling in from Chicago. Adam, we're 10 weeks, about to be into week 10 of the NFL season. It's flying right by. Uh, We're starting to see some trends develop, but first and foremost, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, of course. I think uh, I was on after maybe week one, so yeah, right around kind of the midway point, I guess, of the season. Um, You know, we saw what happened in the beginning of the season, and now things are starting to play into shape obviously with you know teams like buffalo and things we'll talk about i'm sure you know some teams can go up and down and you know make a playoff run um but i feel like we have a little bit more clarity for sure we do uh, and we started to see it with the germany game last week the chiefs beat the dolphins in a weird one 21 to 14 and adam i wanted to start there because i think that you know we're going to put the chiefs in that in that category and we're also going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they've won super bowls and are the defending champ but it was another situation where the Dolphins were in a game, they were competitive, but still, for whatever reason, don't have that win against a good good to great team this season. Why do you think that is? Why have they been struggling in their three marquee games that they've lost all three this year? Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, I'll try to keep too much of my fantasy woes out of it, but I, <laughs> I made the mistake of, of dropping the Chiefs' defense just because I thought it was, you know, I didn't really like the matchup. But, um, I mean, I think one thing we talked about earlier, I think, you know, two is still developing. There's obviously a ton of weapons. You know, I don't know if it's just a matter of giving them too much credit in the beginning. I like Mike McDaniel as a coach. But, you know, I think they still have some things to, to work out. I mean, obviously they've they've had some record-setting games, I guess, looking back now. You know, well, even though Denver's been a weird team, but generally we kind of know who the Broncos are. Maybe giving up seven, scoring seven points against them, you know, isn't too crazy. And, you know, other w- wins against the Giants and the Panthers and the Patriots. Um, so, yeah, you know, to your point, there definitely seems to be a pretty big gap between, you know, the teams they've lost to and the teams they've they've beaten. Now, you know, not to take anything away from them, but, you know, I think it's when you're, you're still kind of that relatively young team or maybe you have some pieces that are still trying to, um, you know, gel with each other, you know, new players or just kind of new system or new plays, you know, it takes a little bit to make that run. Kind of the side of that, I feel like, is the is the Chiefs, where they have games where you know randomly they won't play that great or it'll be close, but they still manage to win. And really, when it gets down late in the season and the playoffs is when it really matters. So I think that's kind of the difference. Yeah, it's weird that their defense is kind of carrying them, and Mahomes obviously making plays when he needs to. But offensively, with you know the salary cap issues, not just guys like Tyree Kill from years ago, but you know having to have new pieces on the offense and. Winning a game when Kelsey wasn't going off too is huge, but yeah, the Dolphins and you know they still sit ahead, sit atop that division, Adam, because the Bills lost to the Bengals. Before I 
wanted to get into that game and what it meant for you know the Bengals. There's another Buffalo loss that was closer than the score ended up wasn't as close I should say as the close that score ended up being. The Bills have been a weird team, and I think you know a lot of people, a lot of people smarter than I, are looking at this Bills team and thinking, you know, maybe they aren't as good as they've been in recent memories. So I think it's a tough spot for the Bills at five and four. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like obviously the storyline is a lot of the turnovers with Josh Allen. I think he's still, you know, a top top quarterback in the NFL. He's definitely, in my opinion, one that you can win a Super Bowl with. But obviously, you still have to prove it, and it is surprising. Um, you know, they already have four losses. They only had three last year, so you know, already more losses um, only halfway through the season. And uh, and yeah, it's just bizarre because you know, there's definitely winnable games. They're close games, um, but they still have. You know, the potent offense, and, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, the Bengals are coming in a little hotter, too. I think Joe Burrow's finding his, uh, you know, recovering from an injury and, yeah. and uh, you know, being hot the last couple of games. So, yeah, it, it's bizarre. I feel like Buffalo will drop, you know, these games as, as well, kind of similar to talking about the Dolphins where they're not, you know, the standard is obviously obviously not anymore, but you always think of the, the Brady-Belichick, you know, dynasty, and it was just yeah. you win the game that you expect to, and, you know, you don't look your – you know, you don't look ahead to different opponents, and or you don't play, you know, to the level of your competition. Um, it's hard to do. Obviously, it's a lot easier said than done. But I think that's kind of the difference between you know teams that are really striving to be a dynasty. And um, you know, we give the Bills a lot of credit. I think we're waiting for them to right. you know either compete in the Super Bowl, make it to the Super Bowl. Um, but you know, there's still some consistency issues. That's funny. The standard that Patriots are the worst team in the AFC at two and seven now, so it can change pretty quickly. And you know the other the other side of it too would be that the AFC is just loaded right now. It's with with teams, maybe not contenders, but definitely teams that are in the mix or in the playoff hunt. You know, and you look at the tier system, Adam. The uh, best win, the most impressive win, some would say this past weekend was the Ravens dismantling the Seahawks to get to seven and two. The Bengals are statistically last in that division, but the tiebreakers at five and three. But they've won four straight. So, again, two teams trending in the right direction. The Bengals with Burrow back and healthy. We'll see what happens with Jamar Chase. But they're going to make some noise. You know, the Browns and Steelers will be there. But everyone's looking at Burrow and that Bengals team is thinking, okay, these were the guys I remember from the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think I remember, you know, talking about the last time I was on the show, just how there were so few contenders really in the, you know, the NFC in the beginning of the season. It was like, okay, probably the Eagles and the 49ers. Um, but there's so many teams. And, yeah, I feel like Baltimore, obviously, a huge win last week. But they do kind of fly under the radar. They've obviously had some kind of weird seasons the last couple of years, and you kind of tend to forget about them. I mean, I don't even think Lamar Jackson had a touchdown pass last week, and they still, you know, scored almost 40 points. So they find different ways to do it. Um, you know, you know, good coaching. And, yeah, you know, that your division, you know, it obviously has, a, has to be tough as a fan when you have, you know, every team is over five 500. Um, and I think the Bengals are kind of similar to, you know, well, obviously they've been in the Super Bowl. They're one of those road-tested teams where you know they're going to be there late in the season. I, I don't, you know, see their, them as being one that's going to fall off the cliff. Obviously, you know, with Burroughs uh, training camp or, you know, preseason injury, that had them off to a little bit of a, a slow start. But, um <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. like they're, you know, they're obviously, yeah. it's, it, now is obviously the time where you want to get hot. Well, the Ravens, they do have a new look offense. The defense has played better. We know Harbaugh is a good coach, so it's not surprising they're there. But, yeah, everyone's looking at the Bengals to make that move. Um, before we get to my team, I just want to also say, I know you're a stats guy, and uh, 
it has to be a marvel to you, a modern game marvel that the Steelers are five and three, having been outgained in eight games. Yeah, it's, you know they just kind of stick around, and it's surprising. You know, I, I I don't I haven't really taken a deep dive in you know all their games, especially the non primetime games. I would say, you know, they haven't scored over thirty points in a single game. Uh, only you know actually only one game over twenty five. So I guess that is kind of in a way the the Mike Tomlin way in a sense where they're still going to find a way to win. You know, I, I think that you know, we're still trying to figure out what, what Kenny Pickett is. Obviously, you know, good wide receivers and, you know, the defense is going to be there even though they've had a couple games where they've given up 30 points and, and some issues. But, yeah, it's weird, you know, because they've had, they had two blowout losses in the first month of the season. Um, and, you know, but I feel like Tomlin has kind of continued to write the ship. Obviously, we know his death's about you know never being under 500, um, so it just kind of seems to figure out a way. It's it's a way to work. It's like it's like old school NFL where you know it's not pretty, but if you get the job done, that's all that matters. So from the outsider's view, when you look at you know what my team is dealing with, you can understand why it's like a <laughs> it's definitely a tale of two cities and two emotions. Because on one hand, I can't ever recall being as excited and enthused about a defense but on the other hand I'm just terrified of the quarterback position yeah it's it's bizarre because especially I feel like at least you know I, I find a lot of interesting comments also on the NFL subreddit and I feel like obviously the Browns are a huge lightning rod and and you know especially with Watson his just his guaranteed contract and having to have PJ Walker and uh, DTR quarterback as well so it's bizarre because you know, the expectation is Deshaun Watson to play like, you know, with Houston a few years ago where he was a top five quarterback. And, you know, in at least, you know, as a Bears fan, in the conversation of Mahomes, you know, why do the Bears, you know, pick Trubisky over them? So it, it's bizarre. Obviously, Miles Garrett is playing. I mean, watching his film, it's, it's you know, he's a freak athlete. It's like watching a basketball player um, just dominate with his padded passes and his pass rush. Um, and, you know, so, you know, the freak athlete that he is so I think that will definitely help carry them but it is you know tough to be in a competitive division where you know even the division games are you know they're going to be a fist fight well I do think that he you know is hard to judge based on playing Arizona and Clayton Toon but at least there were some good things there defensively you just trust all the way through uh the Schwartz boys with Garrett of course too so I guess we'll see where it goes uh quickly though on the AFC and we haven't mentioned them but where would you put Jacksonville in your tiers? Do you think they're emerging as a legit contender? And I know they won a playoff game last year, but I'm curious where you have Jacksonville as you kind of forecast the AFC going forward. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, I, I actually traded for Trevor Lawrence going back to fantasy midway through the season. And just looking at his stats, I mean, he's like kind of a consistent, you know, at least fantasy-wise, like he's going to get you like 14, 15 points a game. Um, I, I do think last year's playoff comeback win, just to be able to do that, um, to be able to overcome all the interceptions, I think that, you know, is a stamp of legitimacy. Um, you know, obviously going back to that draft, comparing him and Zach Wilson, we kind of see the, the way that those two franchises have gone in other directions, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers aside for the Jets. So it, I feel like the AFC South is always a tough test because the division is just kind of always seems so wacky. I mean, I feel like now, you know, it's stabilized. Obviously there's, there's you know, Houston, I, I feel like with Stroud is on the upswing. Um, but I feel like year, for years, you know, 10 years ago, it was one of the weaker divisions. So you do have to, I feel like, factor that into play. So 
I, I don't know. I mean, I guess talking about earlier with the Dolphins about, you know, what it takes to beat the elite teams in the AFC, you know, they'll probably win the division. I think if they can be in the playoffs, I think they'll have a shot. But, you know, it would, I think it would still take a lot to beat a team like uh, 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 the Chiefs or, you know, or Buffalo uh, on the road. Crazy that, that Trevor Lawrence is the oldest QB in that division now, you know, also considering it. I guess not counting the Colts, but like the oldest long-term guy there. But, no, I, I think um, what they're doing offensively, you know, they're still not quite what they were finishing the year, and that's where I'm still wondering, you know, if last year was just kind of a blip in the radar where they got hot down the stretch. But they're they're in that division, so they have time to kind of work this stuff out. Um, more with Adam Musto here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, before the NFC, I just wanted to give props. One of the best rookie QB games I've ever seen, and I think you might have ever seen either, too. I don't know if I'm missing anything, but what C.J. Stroud did in that Tampa Bay game, Adam, that was amazing. Five, Almost 500 yards passing and five touchdowns and really winning that game with his arm. As of now, there can't be much debate who the best QB in the class is. Yeah, I think that game, um, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to say it, but definitely stamped, uh, I don't know if it would necessarily be unanimous, but, um, you know, Stroud winning the Rookie of the Year award um, for this season. So, yeah, just, you know, a great game. I think, you know, clearly probably one of the, you know, I, I probably won't, you know, be too crazy to call it a top five game of the season. Super excited, exciting just back and forth. Um, so, you know, it seems like they, I think, you know, the Texans really hit it with, uh, you know, their rookie quarterback. Obviously, the jury's still out in Carolina, even though it's still early. You know, things can change. Um, but, yeah, just a, a fantastic game. You know, five touchdowns, 470 yards. What else can you say? Um, I think to see his progression this season is, if you're a Texans fan, it's got to be very exciting. Well, moving on to the NFC, Adam, uh, the marquee game was Eagles-Cowboys. And it's weird because I, I, you know, looking at that game and how it went down with the Eagles holding on for victory, Eagles are 8-1, Cowboys are 5-3. and three. Weirdly watching that game with Dallas, I kind of felt better about them as a contender. Not that I trust them to, you know, go all the way, but I know the NFC, which we can get to, is not as deep. But that was a game where, for some flaws that they had, I thought Dak looked good. I thought they could have won it on the road. So in a weird way, I felt a little better about Dallas. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it, it was right there. Um, and, and, yeah, obviously Dallas has just been kind of a weird team with, uh, you know, winning their first two games by, what was it, uh, 60 points and then, you know, and then obviously getting destroyed um, in primetime against the 49ers. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, and it's weird, too, because I feel like the Eagles, Obviously, they're eight and one. Um, they've they even though they've had some close games recently. So, um, but they do enough to win. And um, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about them. But but yeah, I, I think that you know Dallas can. It, it, the NFL is just so crazy because I, I feel like you know it's obviously a cliche, but we see so many just bizarre scores, bizarre games, things that we mm. t- you know totally would not expect. Um, so you really don't know what what you have going in um and i feel like it's kind of a toss to the coin you know dallas it's either you know 33 percent chance they'll have a you know get blown out blow out the team or it'll be a close game yeah. i don't know what else there's other than that but right um, right and yeah i think to your point you know the playoffs might be a little different situation you still kind of want them to prove that they can you know make it uh you know win the games that matter you know the eagles are eight and one and on the other side of that they don't look anywhere close to their best level so you'd be encouraged by that but you know you know as a student of the game too Sometimes you don't have it, you know, sometimes you just can't turn that switch on. So I'm more curious to see yep. how they go from here and how Hurts looks like he might be banged up playing through some stuff, but where the Eagles go with 
still some room to clearly improve, even though they're eight and one. Yeah, and I think um, you know, obviously, AJ Brown's having a, a monster season. Um, probably will go down as one of the best, you know, uh, transactions or trades or you know pickups from the Titans in in recent history. And yeah, so I guess you could really look at it two ways. Either you know, one is is you know we're not playing up to the potential. Um, is that going to be a problem? Are we going to be able to play up to our potential, or is it you know we're able to win when we're not you know playing our best football? Um, and if we you know can kind of get better and continue to get better and play better football, then we'll be unstoppable. Um, obviously, we always hear about the Super Bowl hangover, and this was I feel like just so interesting in the beginning of the season because it was like, well, like somehow that's going to happen. You know, regression of the mean injuries will catch up with the team, but there wasn't really a ton of you know other NFC contenders that were really coming out the gate to be like, okay, we're going to knock this team off. Well, where's your confidence level? I know they had a bye week, but where are you at with the Niners now? Because that division, uh, you know, we try to pay me, maybe anoint the Seahawks. Like, oh, they were in first, they can do it, and then they get schlacked, you know, by the <laughs> by the Ravens. So where are you at right now confidence-wise with the Niners? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I guess the best thing was that they had the bye week to, to rest, and then obviously with the uh, – Seattle losing, then at least they're back at, you know, each team's five and three. So it's tough, you know, yeah, obviously three straight losses, only scoring 17 points in each of the games. I think obviously Brock Purdy's come, come back down to life. Um, they're a tough team because, uh, you know, obviously I, I think that no one really thought that, you know, Brock Purdy was just going to, you know, immediately be Joe Montana, even though the wins and uh, the success has, you know, ha- has been there, you know, up until the last three games. But, they, I mean, they have so much, you know, potential. I mean, so much, so much talent around them, and then you know, even you know, making more at the trade deadline. Um, so, you know, I think he, at least for Purdy, he is like the perfect. I'm, not, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this, but just a perfect quarterback for that system. Um, maybe, obviously, not seeing it the last couple of weeks, um, and you know, a loss to the Bengals is tough. Obviously, just because you think, okay, that if we do make the Super Bowl, that you know, that's going to be a potential. That's the tier, you know, that we would be seeing. So obviously not a great showing for them. So I don't know. It's tough to say. Is it just, you know, the ebbs and flows of the game? Uh, or have they kind of crashed back to reality after, you know, just being able to, you know, go through, churn out, through, through so many quarterbacks last mm-hmm. season and literally didn't seem like it impacted them. I mean, we don't even talk about, you know, how they drafted Trey Lance. And for most teams, that would be yeah. a you know, catastrophic yeah. decision that, you know, put your franchise back for, uh, you know, 10 or 15 years and they were just able to kind of go with the flow. So, you know, uh-huh. I'm not going to totally jump on the ship. I feel like they still have enough, you know, they've got too much talent across the board. I think pretty solid coaching to kind of, you know, write the ship. But obviously, you know, we've seen that they're not as superhuman as maybe some people thought they were. They're a team that I do feel like, you know, injuries have uh, affected them. They need their studs there and there's a big drop off when they don't have them. So we'll see. How Purdy bounces back, first time he's faced adversity in his pro career, so we'll see how he responds to that. I, I say all this to say, Adam, I mean, the opportunity is there for the Lions, right? Like, say what you want about whether or not you believe in them to, to finish the job, but the NFC is uh, open, at least, and they have a chance to uh, more than make enough noise. Yeah, I mean, I think the surprise, most surprising thing is now all of a sudden the, the Vikings have won four in a row, and they're kind of, you know, kind of on, on their tails. Um no pun intended with the Lions, but yeah, I think that they've had obviously some quality wins. I think they're one of the rare teams that 
there was so, so much hype. I mean, I really can't remember so much hype going around the team, um, you know, basically just because of the way they ended the season. But, you know, for the most part, they've answered the bell. Obviously, a tough, you know, a, a tough 32-point loss to Baltimore a couple weeks ago, so that doesn't look good. But I think that, yeah, it, you know, and the rest of the division, I mean, you know, Green Bay, we, we still don't know. They could potentially go on a little bit of run. I don't know if they have enough juice to, you know, really catch Detroit. Minnesota is interesting just because, you know, obviously the Dobbs story is great. Um, that was the we'll craziest see. thing we've seen, right? Like, gets there Tuesday, thrust in the game because Hall gets a concussion, doesn't know the playbooks or his teammates' names, and finds a way to win. Yeah, I mean, some of the stories coming out of that about, you know, how they were able to, uh, you know, just, ha- you know, basically have the plays sent in a way that he could understand it. I mean, obviously, you know, we know how smart he is with his, uh, you know, <laughs> you know he is a uh, NASA, NASA guy, yeah. <laughs> So uh, maybe not, you know, that part, you know, I, I guess is pretty well known. But, yeah, I think to be able to answer the bell and, you know, I think we talk about that too, about just to be a quarterback in the NFL, have a career, even if you're not, you know, obviously a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, but guys that can really last, you know, at least as a, on a personal level to make it a very nice career financially, you know, to be able to pick up a playbook quickly, you know, as you're bouncing back from, you know, different teams and different coordinators, it's very impressive. So, you know, obviously the Vikings have had their – struggles with you know injuries to the two best players but kind of surprising um so I, you know it, it'll be i think for detroit it'll be interesting to see how they can, kind of weather some of these storms i guess later in the season because that's one thing maybe they haven't proven uh now that they are kind of one of the fa- favorites is you know can you close it out can you keep winning when you need to um but yeah just kind of comparing to the teams that will probably give them the best biggest run for the money so before we look ahead to next week's games uh, i did want to ask you where you are with your bears team um you know, not just, you know, the injury to Fields and Beijing playing and, you know, getting you guys a, a win and then you're competitive with the Saints, but also, you know, the Montez Sweat trade and the decision to extend him. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by that. I mean, the Bears obviously need help. Um, I, I, it's just, you know, and obviously I, I don't know what exactly is going on with the front office. I don't have any, you know, inside there. But it, it's just a matter of, you know, when you, I, I guess I go back to, you know, when, when you draft studs, like, uh, why am I totally blanking on their linebackers on the Ravens now? Um, oh, Ro- you know, you Roquan don't, Smith? Yeah, Roquan yeah. Smith. So, you you know, you have these guys, and I guess they're just trying to figure out, okay, are, is our franchise going to be in the draft fix in the next few years, or are they, you know, current players on our current team? So, you know, I, I guess he could be a difference maker. Um, you know, I, I think one of the big stories is, can we lock – and the Bears lock down uh, Jalen Johnson for, to a long-term deal. So it's, can you build the players that you actually hit on? Um, you know, I don't know how the, you know, it doesn't seem like the Bears draft particularly well. You know, I, I would be, I don't know how it necessarily compares to other teams. So it's just, you know, I guess with him, you kind of know who he is. With Sweat, you know who he is already. And I think there's things that he's done maybe that don't show up in the box score as far as pressures and, and you know, different things that look good. Um but they are, they do obviously, you know, comparing them to what we were talking about the 49ers earlier, that, you know, they they, they just don't have as much talent. So, um, you know, one player, you know, unless it's a Patrick Holmes type player, isn't going to turn around the entire franchise. Well, I'm excited to see, um, you know, some optimism. We've got to get good players in the building. So, you know, I don't, I don't mind what they did, making sure you have them. I mean, the odds are a player in the second round, even to be that good, is probably not in, in their favor. So, like we've talked about with some teams in other sports, you overpay when you're at the bottom of the food chain to try to make it a destination. So, 
remains to be seen. And uh, hey, from your perspective too, at least maybe now it doesn't look like the Packers have uh, their generational QB. <laughs> yeah, it'll be. Uh, I guess the uh, Simpsons will be on TV longer than the Packers. You know, back to back to you know, hopefully not back hmm. Hall of Fame quarterback. So. Yeah, you know, and obviously Green Bay won last week. I guess it's a little, you know, tough to judge when you're going against um, Ripon on the Rams. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I guess I'm, I'm obviously very biased. That was one thing that, you know, if you're going to tell me beginning of the season that Jordan Love was not going to be a franchise quarterback, that would make me very happy. Um, so, you know, we, we've seen good things from him. And, you know, I guess there's the flip side, too. Sometimes we overreact to quarterbacks playing really well. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, his first year as a starter, didn't do particularly well. Um, but I do think there's some flaws that we're seeing with, you know, some of the deep throws or the late game decision um, that I guess if you're a Bears fan, then, you know, maybe, maybe gives you some, at least a little bit of optimism. If, you know, if the Bears aren't going to win on Sunday, at least, you know, the Packers <laughs> might lose as well. So I watched a lot of football rooting against the Steelers. It's kind of nice. Um, all right. Yeah. So, so the, uh, wrapping up, this was good, Adam Muscle. I want to look and maybe spend some time because it is a, it is a pretty good week. They don't know obviously how these week 10 matchups are going to go, but early, and I'm not saying early uh, in terms of the week, you know, Panthers, Bears, no offense, probably yeah. not the marquee Thursday night game. And you could say the same yeah. about Germany, Colts, Patriots. So I don't think yeah. uh, those market, those standalone games are the best, I'll say. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I know flexing a Thursday game is kind of the last resort, um, you know, more so that's kind of the, the game to potentially see who has, you know, one of the top picks in the draft. Um, but yeah, I mean, one thing that is interesting is you have the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and the Eagles all advise. So you know, you, you have some pretty talented teams that aren't playing. But you know, I think across the board, there's also some you know really interesting games. Well, there are, and they start at uh, one o'clock Eastern. Browns, Ravens, the rematch in Baltimore. Baltimore thumped Cleveland earlier this year. I was well aware of that one. Um, Jaguars hosting the Niners. That's a big you know prove it game for Jacksonville. And also the Niners trying to get the Schneid with three straight losses. So those two stand out early. I would even also say, just as another aside in the early slate, Adam, I'm curious to see Texans Bengals. Does Stroud keep it going against Cincy, or is this win win number five in a row for Joe Burrow and the Bengals? Yeah, I mean, I think to a lot of the things we we discussed, you know, for the the Jaguars, are they for real? Obviously, you know, going you know intra conference or not not, you know, head-to-head against the top AFC team. But that is one where, you know, we can maybe get a little bit more clarity on what kind of team they would potentially be in the playoffs. And, yeah, you know, marquee AFC South game. Um, you know, the, the Ravens are, are hot. So, you know, yeah, for, for your fans, that one's big. And, yeah, I think exactly to your point, um, you know, Stroud had a huge game. Um, obviously, we always talk about regression of the mean. and and But I think it's, you know, obviously two young quarterbacks, uh, Burrow's proven. I, I'm sure as a Texans fan, you're kind of hoping that, you know, Stroud, you know, what Burrow is now, Stroud will be in a, a couple years. Um, so you just never know, you know, I could see that game being a shootout um, or it could it just kind of be, you know, a slugfest as well. So, but I, I think those are very compelling. Yeah, those are the, the big games of the day. You know, again, they didn't really flex out a lot of the late ones, so the late window's kind of uh, not the best. Jets Raiders again in prime time. I don't know how we keep getting those teams. Um, Maybe, I guess, maybe you could say, we'll see what the Bills do. Because if the Broncos are getting a little better and the Bills are in a funk, that wouldn't be the biggest upset in the world to pick. So I'm just trying to make light out of what could possibly be entertaining after the 1 o'clock games. Yeah, I think the, you know, the Broncos, obviously as terrible as they started, 
they can kind of be that you know team that can kind of pull some upsets and and yeah I you know I feel like we don't really know what Bills team are going to get every week I feel like if anything it is going to be a close game I guess I do have to give a shout out to Aiden O'Connell my ex, my wife Kaylin actually babysat for him when he was uh, you know in Newport so <laughs> so that's kind of cool but um, yeah obviously you know I'm sure in the beginning of the season we were hoping that would be a, a Rogers game. And, you know, the Raiders have kind of struggled. I guess it'll be interesting to see if they can continue going with Antonio Pierce as their interim coach. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, I think, you know, Lions-Chargers is really interesting. Obviously, the Chargers, you know, ha- had a, played well, albeit against the Jets on Monday night. They're also kind of a weird, you know, we know who the Chargers are. That You know, they have so much talent. Um, but, you know, sometimes they struggle to close out games. And, you know, that could potentially be a shootout. You know, I think coaching, you know, can be a factor and um, some interesting weapons on both sides. Yeah, forgot that Lions-Chargers game. That's got chaos written all over it. The Chargers are 500 now trying to get back up, uh, you know, in the win column and the Lions proving that they belong. I don't know if I like placing expectations on their heads. So um, it's pretty good. It's pretty exciting to see and to watch all this football. Um, anything else before we sign off here, Adam? Uh, no, yeah, I guess to your last point, yeah, a little bit of two, you know, snake-bitten franchises, two of the last, you know, few remaining teams without a Super Bowl win. Um, so maybe, you know, some you know, overall, you know, NFL history, you know, reaching a boiling point at that point. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, to your point earlier, just getting a little bit more clarity, some interesting matchups. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's probably about it. <laughs> hey, sometimes that's all you need to say. It's just uh, at that point in the year where we still got to shake some stuff out. I don't like looking at the playoff predictor yet because there's going to be a lot of chaos and a lot of excitement. Well, Adam Musto will be talking to you again on this show in the next couple weeks, but thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect and talking NFL. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime. All right, huge thanks to Adam Musto for appearing on this week's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. One of the sharper football minds there is. A lot to uh, break down with him every time he comes on. So thanks again to Adam. We're going to college football right now with Rob Crowder, Oklahoma State. Pride and joy. Uh, had a lot to celebrate after his Oklahoma State Cowboys beat the Sooners to win Bedlam, the final edition of that game. We discuss how the Cowboys got back up in the Big 12 standings after a slow start. Ollie Gordon's Heisman hopeful campaign, which is buzzing right now. Recap a lot of the games last week that included Alabama, LSU, and USC Washington. We give our take on the Michigan scandal, too. You're not going to want to miss that, as well as preview a lot of big games in college football one of the final three weeks of the season. Let's talk college football now with Rob Crowder on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now joining us here on the Money Mitch Effect, this is the perfect time to talk to this guy. It's been about a year, but uh, riding high, winning the final regular season, uh, maybe addition ever of the Bedlam game, Oklahoma State being Oklahoma, Robbie Crowder back on the show. Rob, this is uh, you know very, very good that you're able to take time, especially this week given uh, all the events, you know, games and, and not games included. But thanks for joining the show and uh, for taking your uh, much-deserved uh, victory lap here. Uh, always glad to hop on the Money Mitch Effect. And when we can talk folks, especially when they beat Bedlam, there's nothing sweeter. Yeah, we got to give you a lot of credit, too, because you watched that game in public. We won't go into all the details, but uh, it was a uh, very, very, you know, loyal effort and dedicated effort I'll say the least but you know the game itself kind of a microcosm of just how long and exciting this season is Rob what would be and I'll start here what would be the percentage of you guys winning Bedlam that I would have asked you maybe like a month and a half ago 
Uh, 0.0%. You know, when you lose to South Alabama at home by like 26, and then uh, you lose to a stumbling at that time Iowa State team, you know, there wasn't wasn't much confidence back then. But you have to give Gundy and the rest of the coaches credit. Like, holy cow, what a turnaround. Like, you've got a running back who's now in the high swing conversation. Alan Bowman is just a gamer. He's doing what he needs to. And the defense has some has some guys that are rising to the occasion. So uh, they're they're purring right now and tied for the Big 12 lead going in with three games left. It's completely unexpected. Crazy how that's turned and how, you know, that Kansas State game on a Friday night was the make or break for the season and ended up making them. And, you know, where we are at this point, I mean, just the game itself in a nutshell, and I want to get to some of the Gordon stuff in a second, Rob, but uh, looking at it from my perspective on the outside, I was – impressed with and maybe more surprised by the defensive effort holding Oklahoma in an offense that had been killing, you know, even in games that they didn't do as hot, still putting up a lot of points and they just scored 10 in the, in the second half. So defensively, I think was maybe at this point in the season, what I least expected and what came through the most for the Cowboys. Yeah, it was surprising, honestly. Uh, I mean, pulling three turnovers off of, uh, the Sooners and then also two fourth downs, uh, two turnovers on downs, like that's five possessions in the game that, that you're able to get back. That's insane. Uh, I mean, just holding Dylan Gabriel, you know, within the pocket for most of the game and, um, you know, bottling enough up of the run, running backs. I think they got half of their rushing yards essentially on their first drive. So holding them to roughly 70 yards for the next three quarters on in the running game was pretty insane. So, You've got Nick Martin, who's just anchoring that defense. That linebacker has just been absolutely filthy. And then Kendall Daniels running the secondary. And then just the amount of talent that is shining through on the defensive line, just being able to kind of hold guys in is is shocking. I mean, going into the season, we lost, I think we lost 35 position players um, on offense and defense. So um, these are all new guys. They're all learning a new system. So the fact that the coaches after those first four games said, Hey, you know, maybe this isn't working. Let's try this. And it's, and now that's working even better is phenomenal and mind blowing. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. This the position that you're in. Uh, and, and also, you know, this is the time I want to talk about Ollie Gordon and what he's done leading the league and leading the country and rushing and Rob, even more remarkable, as you know, is he didn't have his first hundred yard game until that Iowa state game. So you're looking at it from the perspective of, and I guess we can start there. When did you notice that this was something special, not just a good running back, but obviously at this point, a great one. Well, this is going to sound corny, but last year, actually, um, pretty much everyone in the fan base saw glimpses of it last year, but he wasn't the featured back. So we're like, he'll get his time. He'll keep working. He'll keep working. And then for some reason, we played running back by committee for the first three games of the year. And he had roughly 110 yards in three games on, you know, 19 carries. So, that like you could see the flashes of it when he was getting those little chances, but you know, he started building up at Iowa state, K state. You're like, okay, wow. And then Kansas, West Virginia, Cincinnati were just, I mean, he's put up 900, what a thousand yards in six games. Um, that's just, <laughs> I mean, there's only a couple of running backs in Oklahoma state history that even scratch that. And it's a Barry Sanders. It's a Kendall Hunter. It's, you know, guys that played in the league, guys that won Big 12, you know, offensive player awards, stuff like that. So 
Um, the sky's the limit for this guy. Like he, we thought he was bottled up against OU and he had mm-hmm. 138 yards and two touchdowns. So, you yeah. know, that was an off night considering how he normally plays. Now, that being said, we did see what happens when he throws. So uh, we need to <laughs> keep him uh, running, not throwing. Yeah. And, and look, I think part of this too, and you understand the game as much as anyone that now that he's the guy and has been the guy that teams are going to make more concerted efforts. So it is not going to be <laughs> as easy maybe to sneak up on everyone. Everyone knows just how good he is. So that shows you what Bowman was able to do making plays and, you know, this team and looking at, you know, the big 12 right now and Texas being the only one loss team left in it. And you have everybody else tied. You look at the playoff ranking. It's you guys, it's Oklahoma, Kansas, right in that mix there in that 15, 16, 17 range. It's just a fascinating position now where, you know, you have Texas, still some tough games left, and then also, Rob, your Cowboys and other teams still in the mix. So it's going to be a, a photo finish once again in the Big 12. Oh, for sure. And I, I think the folks lucked out this year because we only got one Texas team on our schedule, which is kind of baffling if you think about it. And that one Texas team is Houston, which mm-hmm. we'll take that. So, you know, we've got UCF, uh, Houston, and BYU, and Houston and BYU are hanging out in the bottom, or sorry, Houston, BYU, UCF are three mm-hmm. of the five bottom teams. So um, the the Cowboys kind of are fortunate with the three games they have after Bedlam because, I mean, unless they stumble in one of these games, they're going to be favored in all three, which is crazy to say after week four that we were favored in any. So, you know, it, it, it's there. It's The Cowboys own their own destiny right now, and, it looks like unless something drastic happens in one of these three games, they're they're going to be hanging out in Arlington in early December. Another trip to Arlington. Uh, can't wait for that one, I'm sure. Uh, and then also looking at the perspective of Oklahoma, I know this one for them, I mean, losing this game is you never want to lose a rivalry game. But I think if you had pulled a lot of Sooner fans going into you know this season, seven and two through nine would have been pretty solid given how last year went. Yeah, yeah. I, I would definitely say they're probably – quite stoked that you know they're not you know running a six and six team like they did last year yeah. but um yeah but i i can definitely tell you they do not think they should have lost this game and it, it definitely has got to hurt but lucky for them they've got you know west virginia byu tcu to round it out yeah. and west virginia is probably the one that and that's this upcoming weekend and that's the one they probably will have the most trouble with out of those three because tcu and byu really haven't shown much this year west virginia could sneak up on them but yeah. ou is going to be at home and they're going to be angry 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 so yeah. they may take anger out in that game <laughs> they may we, we could be looking at texas and oklahoma state in in arlington texas surviving k-state it was a you know an interesting game there but uh, texas holds on and you know the rest of the uh, the rest of the saturday slate was pretty exciting across the country expanding out of the big 12 what else, I guess, stood out to you, Rob? I mean, we were kind of monitoring a lot of games. There were some ranked matchups, some fireworks and points late, uh, you know, some SEC tilts. What what else stood out to you with last Saturday? Yeah, I mean, Washington getting it done again. Uh, they knocked off USC, and USC's kind of scratching their head. What's the mm-hmm. future look like for them with French being canned and then Missouri playing uh, Georgia tight again? They always seem to be a thorn in Georgia's side. So yeah. it was fun to kind of see them mix that up. As you mentioned earlier, the Texas K-State game. I mean, man, what a what a tale of two halves that game was. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even, I guess, Texas just jumped out quick and then K-State played catch-up pretty quick. So 
that was good to see. And then Bama LSU with, uh, you know, uh, Jaden Daniels having a decent game, you know, uh, and also another great rushing yard game for him with 163. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, some good ones out there. I mean, even Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Ole Miss is scratching in the top 10. Yeah. So <laughs> that's kind of that's wild. Kiffin's getting it done with his stable of quarterbacks. Obviously, Jackson's the guy, but – um, I mean, that team, team looks fun as heck to watch you week in and week out. So, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and then I think I was going to say also Clemson knocking off Notre Dame. Uh, sorry, sorry to the <laughs> homie Eddie, but that was a shocking, shocking one there. So it kind of gets you thinking like, is Marcus Freeman going to survive next year? If, if they're starting to lose these games that they're, they're favored in like that one. So, I mean, mind you, it's Clemson at right. home, which isn't easy. And, and I, yeah, and I do think that with Freeman versus Kelly, it's funny because you know you're going to get compared to your predecessor all the time. The the knot that our buddy Kent Brown always said was that you know Kelly wins the games he's supposed to. Like that's just what he did. You can look at the the record books there. Freeman might have him in a better position versus the big games, but you got to handle business against you know the unranked teams. I know Clemson's a little different, a little more more qualified than some of these unranked teams, and had been desperate for a big win, and they they finally get one. You know, the rest of the games you mentioned, Washington over USC, it was a shootout, but it wasn't kind of the shootout we expected. Washington ran for something like over 300 yards, which was, you know, I guess you could say from the USC side, kind of insane that that happened. But, you know, they're scratching themselves out of the playoff contention. Kale Williams not going to get that second Heisman. Bama beating LSU was, was stunning because, Rob, in that game, and I went back and looked, I was like, man, Alabama feels like they're getting all their third downs. It was like 11 for 14. Or something insane like that. I think this might be. I think this might be if not one of or maybe the best coaching jobs that Saban's done. I think he loves this when the team's not quite yeah. as good, and he loves to just have a little more work to do. And here they are with one loss, still undefeated in SEC play. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that you know we, they've been kind of counted out for most of the season, but as you mentioned, just one loss, and this is seen as a quote weak Alabama team by comparison because there's not talent spilling over like there normally is each season. So I think you're dead on with that one that, you know, Saban is just, he's quietly doing his thing. And, you know, at the end of the year, they're, they're going to have a great record going into potentially a conference championship game. Before we get to just looking at some of this week's games, uh, you know, because we were with a lot of people that had a lot to say about uh, Michigan and the John and the Jim Harbaugh situation. What do you do? You have any do you have any crystal ball scenarios for how this might play out at least in twenty twenty three? Yeah, I think if we're looking at just this year, uh, not necessarily looking ahead. Uh, I mean, I would hope the NCAA steps in and does something. You know, you're talking to an Oklahoma State fan who's pretty bitter about what's happened. Uh, towards us, you know, $500 from an assistant coach got us a, a postseason ban in basketball. Um, so if you're doing across the board organized cheating, knowing you're not supposed to do it and funding it and supporting it, uh, I mean, I've not seen a, a case like this where, you know, they got to throw the book in some measure. I don't know what that measure is, but uh, I, I mean, they've got to be either postseason banned or. Uh, you know, they've got to have recruiting severely impacted. They've got to have scouting impacted somehow. I, I don't know, but I mean, they really need the book thrown at them if this is indeed what's going on under that regime. Cause it's, it's, I mean, we haven't seen any of this mm. 
yeah. at any level right, to this degree. So definitely doesn't seem uh, like NFL, it. College, yeah. I think you know, and I'll try to put my objective head on for this one. I think it's you're making good points. I agree with most of it. I think it's going to be very hard for stuff to happen this year because the NCAA has proven to be in a lot of ways powerless in these situations, at least in the timeline that we would expect them or would like them to be. And you wonder, and this is where I will give, you know, the players and certain, certainly the future players a pass. It is so unfortunate when this stuff happens, and you and I have both lived it, where it happens like after the fact. So players get punished yep. that had nothing to do with this and weren't even on the team. Not that, you know, we know any of the players were involved or at all. I'm not saying that. But I think Harbaugh is the most likely target for if anything was going to happen, it would be a suspension of him for how long, who's to say, who's to really know. I think the Big Ten's got to be the one to get in it, but they, you know, and understandably so, Rob, they have to make sure that, you know, the rest of the coaches and themselves, they have their, you know, affairs in order, their closets cleaned a little bit before something happens. And uh, I think the biggest the biggest issue with this, Rob, is the time. You know, they're up against time with Michigan right in the thick of it. Some say the best team in the country. We'll see when the schedule gets harder, but they don't have a lot of time to work with it in terms of the 2023 season. So that's my, you know, concern with all of what's down, but it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound good for the Michigan fans and the Michigan faithful. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's one of those situations where it feels like everything that keeps coming out is just kind of jumping the shark and getting weirder and weirder. Um, and I'm just kind of, you know, as a fan, I'm eager to kind of see what else is going to come out. Like today, the big news that hit was that Blake Corum, you know, was, uh, appears as a co-owner of a Wyoming based company with Connor Stallion. And he said he's unaware of that partnership and has no relations with him. And he has an attorney chasing it down right now. Like that's mm. insane. Mm. Like, Mm. what in the world and that's coming from a michigan insider like reporting it so it's just how many layers are there to this because it seems it's just it's just a lot going down so i think the nca has got a lot to figure out and as you said i don't think anything's going to happen before december before maybe even january and it it is tough because as as you mentioned i i do think from what i've seen they're one of the best teams if oh. not top two right now to compete for the championship. So uh, what's going to happen if they do get to the national title and there's no verdict yet? I think that's yeah. going to be the cloud over the over the whole game. We're going to have a lot of people. It's like not just me saying this as an Ohio State fan, but there are people that are thinking from the outside, man, it might be better if they just don't win the title this year so we won't have to argue this for the next 100 years. Because you know that's going to happen. Well, if they win, it's just going to be a topic of discussion. Till we're all gone. Yeah, that just means uh, th some other teams are going to have to take care of business. You know, well, we'll see. They got a tough one, and that could be our segue coming up here on the Money Mitch Effect with Rob Crowder talking college football. Uh, some big games, only really three weeks left. Hard to believe we just fly by these seasons. It's always it's always sad, but this is the time of year when the games and the going gets good. And you also have football. I just want to point out, as you know, but to all the listeners out there with these Maxion games, we got you know games every day now, so. I'm pretty pretty stoked about that, to say the least. Um, but, yeah, we can start with a couple interesting ones starting on Saturday. Rob, Alabama, Kentucky. Kentucky needs to bounce back. And this is one where I looked at the number. It's about 10.5. I do think Kentucky, and Bama hasn't been a great covering team. Kentucky could keep it close at home early with Bama coming off the win. So that was one I was circling in uh, in pencil, not in pen. But that, that game and the other 9 o'clock game, Penn State hosting Michigan, 
trying to beat one of their you know top two rivals in Ohio State, Michigan. Get them at home this year. Can Penn State do it, Rob? Can Penn State take advantage of a maybe distracted Michigan team? It's definitely possible. It's going to be a cold day. It's going to be around, you know, 38, 40 degrees of kickoff. The line's only five, so Vegas isn't, you know, terribly confident in that one. Uh, Penn State's got Mike Yurchich at the helm, who we know is a, a pretty solid offensive coordinator. He's seen both of our schools mm-hmm. uh, in the past. So I think Penn State has the chance, They but they really will have to play a pretty pretty tight game, but they're lucky that that Michigan has this cloud over them right now. And is that going to factor in? And it's at Beaver stadium. Mm -hmm. The factors are there. I think for Penn state to do it, they've just got to lock in and and play pretty flawlessly. Yeah, It's going to be tough. It's going to need to be a Drew Eller game, but I do think with Manny Diaz on the defensive side too, they have chances. And if Michigan's a little off, you know, we'll see Penn state does not do well from behind. We've seen that again as well. So they're going to need to jump out early and try to just, you know, get some offensive rhythm, but maybe this could be the chance. It's like, you know, it's like LSU last week. This is that they're, they're not the perfect team in, in Bama's case then. So we'll see there. Uh, I want to give a shout out to, I know it's not some of the marquee games though, but how about the job coach Jed fish is doing for Arizona, Rob? They're six and three bowl eligible and already turning it around pretty quickly. Yeah. It's surprising. I mean, they, they pulled off that knockoff uh, last week against uh, UCLA. So that was, that was surprising. Uh, you know, as a Big 12 fan, I'm eager to see yeah. them kind of come in and, you know, yeah. be competitive. So that's exciting. You know, the more firepower in the conference, the better. It'll make for better games, better, you know, viewership, better money. So yeah. I will say it's definitely surprising. You don't really uh, you don't really hear about Arizona too much in football. Yeah. So, you know, I'm all for it. And, <laughs> hell, yeah. what a turnaround. Yeah, yeah, Dillingham and Arizona State's got them on the right track, too. But Fish and Arizona, I mean, they should be 7-2. and They probably should have beat USC. So Colorado coming up, it's a nice nice turnaround there. Um, Another one I just want to quickly mention, Rob, Miami's getting 14.5 points against Florida State. That seems like a big number. Florida State was a little shaky against Pitt last week. So something to circle in there, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely possible. The game being in Tallahassee uh, doesn't help Miami terribly well. But then again, uh, we saw that stat earlier in the season that uh, they actually don't perform that well at home in big <laughs> yeah. games. So it might be a godsend that the game is in uh, Tallahassee rather than in, uh, what is it, Coral Gables. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it might be. <laughs> do you expect uh, Washington, do you think that was a get-right game? I know they're still undefeated, but you know they, they the offense was buzzing again after some lackluster performances. Um, against Stanford and Arizona State, they're you know pretty big favorites at home again against Utah. Do you think that was their get right game last week, and they should be fine against the Utes? I, I would think so. I mean, Utah did put a hurt on our on our boy Witt's team last week, sadly. But um, you know, I I expect this game to just be a slugfest. Mm-hmm. But the way that Washington, when they're playing well, plays, uh, I think if they if they're hitting on all cylinders and and that offense is going. They're going to be really tough to beat because we know Utah can make some mistakes because Cam Rising's not the yeah. guy uh, you know, with the injury. So, so it'll be an interesting game. That's probably one of the top three for me to watch this weekend for sure. Absolutely is. I got my eye on a couple SEC uh, East matchups as well. Uh, Tennessee goes to Mizzou. Mizzou one and a half point favorites. This is a true coin flip game. Coin flip game, and Tennessee. It's like 
what kind of pass defense is going to show up, right? Because was it the one in the first half against Bama or was it the one in the second half against Bama? Because Missouri is a much better team than previously predicted going into this year. Tennessee still has a chance to finish 9-3, and three, maybe even you know be competitive in that Georgia game. And then that's the other one, Rob. Georgia will miss. I mean, Georgia is getting dangerously close to setting the record in the 21st century of win streak uh, wins in a row. They're taking on Ole Miss in a game that should be a lot of fireworks. Georgia was pretty good last week. They were shaky at times, but they put some separation against Mizzou one by nine. And they're 11-point favorites at home against an Ole Miss team that's still very much in the running for the SEC title game and beyond. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I with Lane Kiffin at the helm and the kind of crazy play calls he's, he's prone to do and uh, just kind of wild formations and mixing it up, I think I think that actually could be pretty effective against this Georgia team. They, yeah. They're obviously undefeated, but no um, too. this year, right, right, yeah. So it'll, it'll be interesting because, uh, you know, this isn't a Georgia team kind of like Bama this year where they don't seem as dominant as the years before. So um, I think this game will really kind of tell us where they are because they're going to be seeing probably some, some schemes they're not used to, a uh, lot of aggressive – uh, passing and running coming from Ole Miss. You know, Quinshawn Judkins is, you know, a hell of a fun name to say and a fun w- player to watch as well. So if Ole Miss gets their gets their stuff together and, and brings it in, mm-hmm. you know, it could be a pretty rowdy game. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's we know that. If they're on, it's, they can go with anyone, especially offensively. Uh, it's crazy. I'm not going to spend too much time on uh, my Ohio State Buckeyes against Michigan State because uh, 31 and a half is a pretty big number and they might actually cover it based on where Michigan State is. Hard to see Oregon that big a favorite over USC. That's kind of where they are, 15 and a half points in the late game out in Eugene. Uh, we're going to wrap in a little bit, especially with your game, but I also wanted to mention, Rob, um, LSU Florida. LSU 14-point favorites trying to bounce back in a game that they should win. Florida is staring with their schedule left, bowling eligibility right in the face. So it's uh, not a good year, too, for Billy Napier. No, no. I mean, you know, when you have to finish out with three top 20 teams, uh, it's not going to be a fun time, especially when that last game is a uh, rivalry game. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, we we did see what they are capable of uh, earlier in the year at the Swamp with uh, what they did with the balls, sorry, Sully. So, you know, I think the game I, – I, I realize it's a ranked team in LSU going into that game, but I think that game's a lot more even than we're mm-hmm. – you know, than, than records and uh, kind of stats show. I realize that, you know, Jaden Daniels has 27-4 and four this year, touchdowns to interceptions. That's insane. But he's also, uh, you know, dangerous on the, on the ground, but he's also prone to fumbles. So – um, if he has a good game and locks in, I think, you know, LSU could roll, but if he's not, if he's not running and throwing like he's used to, I think Florida has a good chance to hop on him mm-hmm. and kind of sneak up because we know they have talent there. Yeah. It's just, maybe they're not hitting the discipline and the coaching that, right. you know, Napier really wants to see. Well, Rob, I, I'm going to end with your game against UCF because this is the closest spread you guys have left. Uh, just so you know, two to two and a half point favorites on the road. I know what the fears would be, the letdown after a big win. How do you see this one playing out, and what do you think the keys to this one, you know, for both sides, for Oklahoma State to keep it going, but for UCF to play that spoiler role yet again? Yeah, I think the folks are fortunate that it's going to be, you know, in the mid-70s at kickoff, so 
Uh, that won't be, be too big of a stunner. It'll be in the middle of the afternoon in Florida. So, you know, it is the tighter of the three lines left, but UCF just got their first win against Cincinnati, and the Cowboys thumped Cincinnati. Um, and that's one of the games where Gordon went off. So uh, if UCF can bottle up Ollie Gordon and – uh, prevent Bowman from getting comfortable, you know, they're going to have a great game. But, uh, I, you know, for a team that's, you know, four and five, but one in five in the Big 12, mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, this would be seen as a huge, huge red flag if the folks can't take care of this one. But it's tough to say that after, you know, watching the first four games of the season and the kind of resurgence. So yeah. we know that does exist within this team, but. Um, I think where they are right now, they're past that. They just got to go out, take care of business, like you said, uh, in the sense of, you know, huge win last week, emotional win, a lot of big partying afterwards. Did we lock it back up? Are we all healthy coming back? Hopefully we'll get some wide receivers back. But, you know, this, I realize the line is only three, but I expect the folks to take care of business this weekend. Always exciting to see, and uh, as we know, not too many teams left, not just the playoff race, but even races for their own conference, so it's good to be in that position. Uh, and I and I, I fibbed a little bit. I had to end with this. We have history again. Rutgers, Iowa, over under 28 and a half. Oh. <laughs> this is like limbo. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we do know Rutgers can put up at least 16 points against a good team, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. I would say also, I mean, these aren't bad teams, which is the craziest part. Like Rutgers is six and three. I think they're fourth in the, you know, they're behind the big three in the, in the big 10 East, um, Iowa, probably going to the big 10 title game again, but 28 and a half, Rob, it's like playing limbo. We're just going to keep going low. How well can we go? I mean, I'm all for it. I, I love the chaos that I was bringing in. The fact that, you know, the, the OC's out at the end of the year is kind of a bummer because it's been such a wonderful subplot to uh, us and college football sickos like us, you yeah, know? You know, I kind of expect in like two years they're going to get some like D3 guy that's got this wizard passing offense and they're going to be in the top 10 in, you know, total yards soon. That would just blow my mind. But, you know, (laughs) it also is Iowa, so good luck. (laughs) They end up with the same record because they can't stop anybody, so it's just an an even trade. (laughs) It's like, great, we got the offense now, but now we don't have the defense. Uh, Right, right. They're going to turn into a Big 12 team (laughs) from 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for that. Well, well, Rob, this has been a blast. And also, you know, I'm I'm showing some love for Ollie Gordon and the Heisman race, too, because, you know, like my guy Marvin, it'd be nice to see non-quarterbacks in the mix, so – we have some solidarity there as well. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, you know, we haven't had a running back win it since 2015, a guy named, uh, you know, Derek Henry. So yeah. uh, it would be pretty cool to see uh, another tall back win it like uh, Ollie Gordon. So we'll see what happens. I mean, if he if he cracks another big game against UCF, I think he's uh, he's in that top three, top four conversation. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm just I'm hoping if Marvin goes for you know about two touchdowns and pushing 200 yards against Michigan, maybe we revisit that too. But uh, you know, we'll see. Hey, uh, Rob, I, yeah, good. I was gonna say, I think, I mean, I don't, I think you could ask anyone in the country who the most talented player in the country is, and it's it's Marvin. <laughs> it's special. I'm watching yeah. him. It's almost you feel guilty, like man, this guy's on the team I root for. That's like I feel dirty, but hey, <laughs> you know, you gotta gotta take advantage <laughs> of it when you have it because it doesn't last long. Only a few more games, but 
Exactly. Uh, Rob, pleasure as always. Good talking college football. Thanks again for coming on and another congrats on Oklahoma State beating Oklahoma in the final edition of Bedlam. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thank you. And uh, as always, go Pope. Thanks to Rob Crowder. Thanks to Adam Musto. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this week's episode of The Money Mitch Effect. We're on all your podcast platforms. You can go to SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, as well as wherever podcasts are found. And you can follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. And also check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page for some exclusive content as well as the entire show is posted there. We're back next week. More football. We'll get into the winter sports, I promise. The tennis season wrap might have some thoughts on that at some point. But got hockey, got basketball, got the regular season heating up the NFL. And the final push as the playoff pushes and the conference championship races are, are winding down in college football. Thanks again to Adam Musso, Rob Crowder. My name is Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening and keep enjoying sports.